Welcome to episode two of the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you become the greatest version you can possibly become. Now, today's guest is none other than an absolute legend of the personal development industry, best-selling author and film producer, James Whitaker. After 10 incredibly successful years as a financial planner, where he ran a company with over $2 billion on a management, James decided to start his own entrepreneurial journey and has since interviewed over 200 of the world's most successful people. He's also author and film producer of the sequel to the best-selling book on the personal development industry of all time, Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. So I had a great time diving deep with him into winning the day and living a limitless life. Super excited to have you. And in fact, I want to dive right in with not just the stories that you've created, but the story of your own life. Because as a kid growing up, you actually weren't the most likely person to write a book on personal development, right? It was funny. Yeah, I had a lot of issues with anxiety when I was young. I never performed very well academically in high school. And it was only once I, I really had a bit of an epiphany after what was the worst day of my life at that point, where I, I basically broke down at the age of 23 and thought, wow. well, um, I, I feel like a malfunctioned human because I just, I, because of these issues that I had, I couldn't hold down a job. I couldn't attend the university courses that I needed to get through. Uh, and it was a really, really devastating time not being able to do these seemingly simple tasks that everyone else was able to do. And I had a, an older brother who had performed very well academically. And it was a huge turning point for me, which basically started my journey that I've been on now for 13 years into the role of mindset and psychology and success and resilience. These are the, the tips now. I've you know been fortunate enough, as you said, to interview more than 100, probably 200 uh, now of the world's most successful individuals on people from all different backgrounds. I mean, some people who have overcome tremendous adversity and I'm just so honored now to, to have a platform to be able to help inspire other people so they can elevate their thinking around what's possible for them. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, the, your, the results you've created in your life since then just absolutely speak for themselves. So there was this great story that I read um, somewhere about you, you know, when you, you were 10 years old, you were driving in the car with your dad, right? And he was listening to Jim Rohn, who was also one of those, <laughs> those great legends, right? Yeah, the <laughs> old school personal it, development superstar. I did at the time. Uh, yeah, would, I was always envious of my other school friends who would, you know, they'd have the cool dads who'd be listening yeah. to the, uh, the rock music stations in Brisbane, Australia, the city that I'm from. And I'd have this dad who'd put on these boring, they were cassettes oh, yeah. at the time, like a little, you know, they don't exist anymore, I don't think, but little cassettes and uh, Jim Rowan and everything else. And I was just like, God, why are we listening to this stuff? It's so boring. Let's put on something good. And I was always so frustrated. And it was only later in, in life when I, I realized that was actually an enormous foundation. It is amazing how much you actually absorb when you're in that situation. And now that I've got a my first child, a nine-month-old daughter. I'm looking forward to uh, to passing it down. But I, oh, you're gonna I, <laughs> do the same thing? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll stitch her up. But the so I, I still love listening to to Jim Rowan, and it was actually in in my mid twenties when I sort of found my way back to Jim Rowan myself. But I really became enamored in everything that he says and everything that he does, and I, I still listen to his recordings on Spotify. And it was that that took me right back to Napoleon Hill because Jim Rowan's two biggest inspirations were the Bible and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So uh, being able to go back to Think and Grow Rich through Jim Rowan was huge for me. And he's just an enormous, both of those people, Jim Rowan and Napoleon Hill, 
are enormous mentors for me, despite the fact that I have never met either of them. Yeah. So, so, so what do you do in that process then when you're really down in life, you're anxious, you're afraid, what do you do to turn that around so dramatically? I think a realization that there is a better life for you. So basically I said to myself, I said to my mom, I had this conversation with, with my mother because I didn't really trust anyone else with these, with these feelings or what I was going through. And I said, I can't live like this anymore. And that's when she said, you have everything you need to succeed right here and right here and tapped my head and my heart. And it was at that point that just sort of calmed me down to think about, well, maybe there is a way. And she started helping me understand what the physiological symptoms of anxiety were. So if you found yourself in a situation where all of a sudden you would remove, you would eliminate that risk of passing out or throwing up because they're the things that you're really afraid of. You think, well, if I'm in this situation at my job or in this situation where I feel like I can't get away from, another big one for me was any time I was sitting an exam in high school or in university. But if you felt like you're in a situation that you can't get away from and you think, wow, if I, you know, if I faint or if I throw up, how embarrassing is that going to be for me in front of all these people? And she helped me understand a lot of things about breathing and relaxation and understanding the physiological symptoms around what's going on. Because at that time, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And it's funny when we talk about a book like Think and Grow Rich, which is so iconic, you can say think and grow poor. The premise is exactly the same because that repetitive affirmation, what you keep telling yourself is what manifests physically. And I had been telling myself, I had really been bringing on the onset of a lot of these things. Now, of course, there is a, there is a, a physiological component to it that if you're not aware of it, you can't control. But from the moment I was aware of it, I thought, wow, I can help navigate or have this sensory acuity to be able to make the right call, the right uh, change to think and say to myself, you know what, I'm going to breathe in a different manner to help alleviate those symptoms. So that was a huge one to create that foundation. And then apart from that, just really reading every single book that I could find on mindset, performance, like that's why I'm still obsessed with the Navy SEALs and the British and the Australian SAS and world champion athletes and people who are at the absolute top of their game, people who speak on stage in front of 50,000 people. And that's at the point now where I can speak on stage in, in front of audiences of 1,000 or 2,000 people and really quite enjoy it and be aware of what's going on in those surroundings and bring a good energy, which is something that I never would have imagined was possible. But one other thing I should mention there is uh, so often we don't think about the basic things in life. So I was drinking too much. I was smoking cigarettes. I was eating crappy food. I wasn't doing much by way of any structure with physical or mental exercise. So I think once you have all those things done and you start reading, and you're aware of the physiological uh, identity of what you're facing, well, then you need to just basically be patient. And it's, it's not like you're going to click your fingers and, and all of a sudden you're a new person. Now, I felt like a new person, but it was a bit like the stock market. It was, it was trending up and has been trending up for, for 13 years, but you do have those moments where you feel a bit of a lull back into the, the hardship from time to time, but always moving forward. You know, I love that story because I think it shows the power of the mind and how much we can really transform ourselves and change ourselves. And like you say, almost become a new person through the process of just engaging in that, engaging in the right thoughts, engaging in the right actions and the right beliefs over and over and over again. So I love how much you can really turn that around. In fact, the, the reason I started this podcast was very much the same thing. I was deathly afraid of speaking to people, speaking in front of people. So I was like, 
let me take this head on, right? Let me start to just speak with as many incredible people as possible and just overcome that completely. I love and, the attitude. And, and <laughs> anyone, who, anyone who talks to you or, or listens to your show, I bet they would never have thought that there was a time in your life that you were uncomfortable talking to large groups of people. It's just what people say that to me. They're like, wow, I, I cannot imagine you not being, you know, ever not being good on stage. It was years and years and years and years of practice and consistently getting out of your comfort zone that you're in the position you're in now and I'm in the position right now and what we're doing through things like your show and, and everything else that I'm doing to help inspire other people around what's possible and give them a blueprint to achieve it. For sure. And, and that's an important point, right? That it takes oftentimes years to make these transformations, right? So from the outside looking in, you're like, what has happened in an instant, right? But you know, if you did the transformation, it took like a long time and a lot of effort, right? So, yeah, and I, so what have I, you learned about sort of creating this a long-term vision, a big vision for your life and how you can bring that into reality? Well, there's a few different layers to that. So having an idea of, I'm very, very big on getting people to figure out what your perfect destination looks like in all areas of your life. And that's the difference between me and a lot of other people who might say, well, let's just pick one goal or, or one combination of goals. When I'm like, let's get clear on your personal life. What do you want from your family? What do you want from your marriage or your relationships? What relationships do you want with your parents or your children? What travel aspirations do you have? You want to start your own business. What do you want from your physical health, your mental health? What experiences? I'm not a materialistic guy, but also what people want from their, you know, what are their material possessions? What do you want for your professional career? What development plan have you got? What boxes do you need to tick? And once we have that perfect destination in mind in all those different areas, we backtrack it to three years and then one year and then 90 days. And it's, it's pretty easy to do that. The hard part is figuring out your perfect destination. But once you backtrack it and you get your 90 day goals, then you turn them into what actions do I need to take in those 90 days that's going to get me to my perfect destination eventually. And then you just make them calendar items that go off. So all you need to do is do whatever your calendar says on each day or whatever you know you need to do. That's why I also start each day by writing uh, th three things that I'm grateful for and three things that would make today a win. And you can release yourself from any worry about what's going to happen in the future because you've already written the ending of your story. You just need to focus on the two or three or four actions that you will take today. And then you're great. And at the end of 90 days, you start the whole process all over again. You get another calendar notification that says, hey, it's time to do the next 90 days. Let's get it done. You know what? I love the simplicity of that, right? Because I think many times people overthink things, right? And like, they're not really sure what to do and how to start, right? And, and what should be the next step, right? But like really breaking things down, right? And almost creating this, I always look at it. I'm a runner. I've been running professionally for like 10 years, right? So I always look at it like a training plan, right? So you have that big end goal. And then you get clear really every day how many miles should I run, right? 10 miles a day, 8 tomorrow, 12 the next day, right? So you get clear really what exactly you need to do. And yeah, I think and that alleviates so much of that stress, right? Because you know, if I do the work, then the end result is going to come at some point. Yeah, and there, there, there are a few traps that people can fall into. And one of the, one of the big ones is you're a runner. It's like if, if someone who had never really done much running or if they'd had a very, very big break and they said, you know what, I'm going to make it my goal to run a marathon. Well, you <laughs> couldn't run a marathon on your first day because all that's going to happen if you run that marathon, you'll probably end up in, uh, in hospital. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a plan incrementally, as you said, to be able to get there. And another point I wanted to mention is that these goal, these goal posts can shift. So every single year I do a full revision of, of all my goals 
And it's funny the way that you look back and you say, wow, I'm, I'm proud of the things that I have done. Here are some things that need to shift and here's what I'm going to do for the, for the future. You don't have to sit here and say, well, what's my big 50 year plan? Um, and then, you know, never modify it. It's really, really important to modify it to say, is it still relevant to me? Maybe your situation has changed. There was a, a big goal for me a few years ago when I wanted to be a billionaire by the age of 40. And then all of a sudden, when I realized once I got uh, engaged to my now wife, then I thought, wow, it's important to me to be a really, really good husband. So I need to make sure I'm, I'm present. I can't spend as many hours working as I used to. And then once we had our daughter uh, nine months ago, that was also a thing. It's like, hey, there, I need to cool the jets on the, on the work hours so I can make sure I'm there as a, as a father because they are a much bigger priority for me. So these things change and they evolve because you don't want to be so focused on one goal that the rest of your life falls apart. Yes, and I love this process of really having this coherent picture on life, right? Of not just looking at one area or defining success in, in only one pursuit, because I think that's the challenge for many people is like they define success as I'm a great athlete or I'm great at business or whatever, right? But they don't look at their life in a holistic way of like, I want to succeed at this and this and this, and there'll be these errors, should be at least normal or average or, yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. What's uh, what what sports do you watch? Like, what's what's uh, if you're watching a sport on TV? What what's your favorite sport? To oh, watch? totally soccer. So so European soccer. football. <laughs> yeah, nice. So if you if you look at what happens to most soccer players, like the most successful soccer players at the end of their careers, like they rarely have a very um, strong transition into a different career or have a stable marriage or anything like that. Like often professional athletes who move into their phase after their sporting career their lives are a complete mess. Many of them yes. end up without any money, horrible relationships. They've got no real idea of what they want to do for the rest of their life. But if they had a comprehensive framework, this structure in their life that they were able to focus on throughout their sport and career and then move into afterwards, and it would be able to provide much more purpose and intent and passion and clarity and integrity in all of their actions. So that's another practical example of, of why this is so important. Yes, for sure. And actually, just two days ago, I was talking to a professional swimmer, Olympian, that was swimming with Michael Phelps. And we're talking about, you know, Michael Phelps, after he won his, what, 19th or whatever gold medal, became the greatest athlete of all time. He was depressed. Like, just thinking about that, right? You become the greatest athlete of all time to live on this planet, and you become depressed because you realize, like, happiness doesn't come from that. And that is such, right. a, such an incredible idea. Yeah, you see a lot of champions who they win something, they drink champagne out of the out of the trophy and they realize that that is that one moment. It's yeah. not attaining your goal, it's the pursuit of your goal that for many people uh, gives them that sense of meaning and that sense of purpose. And if you're not clear on, on having a goal, now it's important, particularly a, a lesson for entrepreneurs on the flip side, that if you tell your family, hey, we're gonna have this carrot out here on the horizon and once we achieve that carrot, that's when we'll be happy or that's when we'll be successful. Entrepreneur, as entrepreneurs, once we achieve that carrot, we move another one over the horizon and another one. There's always one more carrot over the horizon and it's not fair for our relationships and our, our friends. So it's, 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 I don't want to, uh, I don't mean to be talking on too broad of, of topics here, but I think that's a, an also an important point for particularly the entrepreneurial people in the audience. For sure, because I think keeping happiness in mind on a daily basis, I think is such a key point. Also to the ability to allow you really to work hard every day, right? Because you can't work hard if you not have some sense of fulfillment and emotional well-being. Yeah, definitely.
Now, we talked before, you interviewed nearly 200 of literally the most successful people in the world. What were some common themes that you noticed in people, some common characteristics that all these high performers had in common? One of the biggest ones, well, so many people nowadays, particularly with the advent of social media, worry so much about what other people think or what other people are going to say about them behind their backs or even to their face on, on social media. But the most important opinion is how you feel about yourself. And that is one characteristic that all these people have. Another one is that anytime they face adversity, that is an opportunity for them to prove how badly they want it rather than to shrink into their shell. That's a huge difference between the growth mindset that Dr. Carol Dweck talks about at length in her book, which is one of my favorite books called Mindset. Yes, uh, fantastic it's book. It's a phenomenal book. The difference between people who have a growth mindset versus those who have a fixed mindset is how we respond to adversity when it inevitably strikes because it strikes all of us. That's what separates ordinary people from extraordinary achievers. Another one is the power of relationships. People who try to do everything themselves are just going to, and when I talk about trying to do everything themselves, I'm not just talking about in their business. I'm talking about they don't want to share their, they're too protective of their business idea because they're worried about what someone else is going to say or what's, you know, someone's going to steal their idea and, and go and do that. If you harness the power of the mastermind, which is the ninth principle of thinking grow rich, and you get a group of people together who are united towards a common purpose. Now that might be uh, for a business that you're launching, whatever it might be, but you can put them in a room, leave your ego at the door and be very, very clear on, on why they're there and the value that you're going to give back to them as a result of their input. And my God, if you have five people in that room or 10 people in that room, how can someone who's doing everything themselves get anywhere near the same level of results um, that you are? So it's, there's a, there's a lot to it all between all these, all these different people, but that's a few different, uh, a few different points. Yes, definitely love those, especially this idea of a mastermind, right? Cause I think there's something so profound in having people around you that believe in you and believe in your vision. And at the same time, are willing to tell you just the honest truth of like, Hey, you're messing up here, right? They're willing to kick you sort of in the butt, right? It's like, That's, if you're not doing the work, right. To, to hold you accountable to the standards you've set for yourself. It's a good point because you don't want to be surrounded by people that say, Hey, that business idea is amazing. I love you. I'm going to kiss your ass in everything yeah. that you do because all that's going to do is you might spend 20 grand or 50 grand or a hundred grand and two, three, four, five years of your time. And you bring a product or a business to market that sucks because yeah. you surrounded yourself with the wrong people or you did not provide an avenue or a forum for them to be able to provide this upfront feedback that you want. So when I'm, when I'm asking people for feedback, I'll, I don't want to hear good. I don't want to hear yes. I want to say, basically tell me what is wrong with this. What can I do to improve? If you don't come to me with improvements or, or things that I haven't thought about, and there's no point having your, your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> but if people are too scared to give that feedback where we see uh, people who have too much ego or vanity, particularly in the corporate world, um, they're worried about people leapfrogging them and they want to take credit for other people's ideas. Well, then it's just not a very strong culture. But if you provide a good forum for people to be able to provide honest and candid feedback, that enables you to make changes in real time and that you can come to market with a better product or a better concept or a, a better project if it is in, in the work sense. Absolutely love that. In fact, uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Dr. Gary Latham. He's the world's leading researcher. It has been for the last 50 years now in the science of motivation. 
And one thing that he told me was very much aligned with that, which he said is like, anytime he writes like his scientific papers, right? And he writes his theories, he sends them to literally, before he publishes it, to all of the best like psychologists and researchers in the world. And he tells them literally to tear it apart, to like break it, right? To find everything that sucks about it. And I love that idea of like That's being phenomenal. To, yeah. right to be so vulnerable that like you literally just wanting people to basically crush you and your ideas <laughs> it's a so perfect, then you get better a, yeah that's right it's a perfect practical uh example of of that whole philosophy it, it really is because the people who are worried about what are other people going to think in that situation when there are other people who say you know what i'm going to thrive on that feedback i just i launched a mastermind for the very first time the first time i'd ever launched a public mastermind wow. people i literally launched it last night um, it's called the day one mastermind one spelled w-o-n and it's one of those things where you think wow i'm creating this business for the very first time what do i you know i don't know what people are going to think about it so i sent it to a few people and said look tell me like people who've run masterminds before tell me what sucks about it what do i need to improve tell me give me some give me some changes and as a result i feel like it's a very very uh strong product i know that i can deliver the value throughout the course but if the landing page sucks no one's going to actually enroll in the course so i've done the future people a disservice because they didn't enroll in the first place i know it's a life-changing mastermind but if i can't get them in the door it's not their fault it's my fault because I haven't taken the time to provide feedback or learn the skills and equip myself with the resources and knowledge that's going to be able to give people enough motivation to say, yes, I'm going to be involved in a program that will eventually become life-changing for them. Yeah, totally. And you, you mentioned an important point here, which is that if you have a high value product, something that is actually going to change people's lives, you actually have almost like a moral obligation to share that with the world, right? Because it means like you're doing people a disservice by not sharing that if you actually provide massive value. Yeah, totally. I had an interview, uh, sorry, a, a lunch about a month ago with an author who'd sold more than 2 million copies wow. around the world. He'd written, you know, many, many books. And his big book, he was doing a relaunch of his most successful book that had come out many years before. And he lamented to me, he said, it's unfortunate that so many people will read this book, which I know is life changing, but they're not going to take any action as a result of reading the book. And I paused for a second and then thought to myself, well, sorry, I didn't think to myself. I said to him, but what happens if we flip the whole script on this situation? What if it's your fault? What if you are the reason that they're not going to take action? And all of a sudden, by taking that accountability, we sit there and we say, what can you include in the book? Maybe you haven't referenced a website where people can go and join as, as members or there's free resources or other avenues that people can go and receive this ongoing support. And now as a result of that book, which is coming out very soon, I'm confident that there will be a lot more people who are going to take that meaningful change as a result of having that one conversation. And that's why I'm so big on extreme accountability and extreme ownership, because most people who want to cast the blame to other people, all they're doing is removing their ability to be able to make change in those situations. But if you are extremely accountable for everything that's wrong in your life, you are 100% empowered and totally in control to be able to create those circumstances that you want. And most people in life are busy complaining about what they don't have, yet if they took that exact same amount of energy, literally the exact yeah. same amount of energy that they use to complain about what they don't have and allocated that towards thinking about and creating a plan to achieve what they want in their life, well, then they'd get it. 
People are so busy complaining and focusing on the shirt short term. All it is is a refocus and reframing and redirection of energy. Wow, absolutely love that. I think this is such a powerful idea because that's the only way really to get that power, right? Because as long as you think it's up to other people, you essentially giving away all your power, right? You're going to feel miserable about yourself. But the moment, Definitely. like you say, right, you take that accountability, you take that extreme ownership, you have the power again in your hands to actually create changes in the world. Yeah, that's right. A hundred percent. Absolutely love that. Now, sort you know, all the interviews that you've done, all the work you've done, is there any one particular person or story that really sticks out that, that really inspire you? Oh, they, they all inspire me a lot. There are, there are a few different ones that for, for different, you know, for different reasons, uh, that really I find quite memorable. There's one Janine Shepherd, who's the very first story in thinking grow roots, the legacy. She was a, a cross country skier from Australia who qualified for the winter Olympics in Canada. It's a long story, but she was hit by a, a truck and airlifted to hospital and 10 days in a coma, six months in the spinal ward was told she'd never be able to walk again, all these different things. And today she can walk despite still being classified as a partial paraplegic. She became a pilot and an aerobatics pilot and an instructor, a pilot instructor. I mean, there's so much to her story, I promise you, but it's a, it is an incredible one. She is arriving at my house in seven hours time to, to, you know, to be here for the next Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So she's, she's become a very, very, very good friend of Mind. She goes and speaks at companies like Facebook and Google and Amazon, the biggest companies in the world, to share her amazing story of inspiration. So that one I really value because it's literally the best story that I've ever heard. And she's also just become a very, very good friend. There are other people like Rob Deerdeck, the skateboarder, who's got a huge following. He's got tens of millions of followers around the world. He's a guy from Dayton, Ohio, who was basically given a skateboard when he was 12 years old. And he was able to parlay that into an amazing career um, afterwards in media, he has like more than a dozen TV shows and he's got these, uh, companies where he invests in brands and helps grow them into being awesome. Even, you know, even more amazing global brands themselves. So to be there, just me and him for two or three hours in his office in Beverly Hills, you, you take the elevator up to the penthouse floor and you look around and it's like just me and him, this, you know, this very, very successful guy, just having two or three hours, just chatting about, his life with 360 degree views of, wow. of Beverly Hills and LA. It's just as someone growing up in, in Australia, it was quite a surreal moment for me. Oh, other bet. people like, mm. yeah, other people like Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, who I'm a huge fan of. She was super nice. They're all, they're all incredible. So, so many, so many different people. There's even, even another person who was a former military, um, who is a military veteran. He's still in his uh, mid twenties now, but when he was, I think it was when he was 18, he was in, uh, I think it was Afghanistan and, uh, he was in a house to clear it of threats and an IED blew up and basically he became a triple amputee at the age of 18 after this situation. I mean, he went on to do the Spartan race, the adventure course. He's done that like six or seven times. He goes skydiving. This is a guy who has one arm. That is his only limb, but his attitude on what happened to him, he said it was a blessing because it made him realize all the love and help and support he had in his life. I mean, wow. these are the stories that I, that I love to have. So I, and, and that I, not that I love to hear it. So I love to help share with other people because they're so inspiring and people who are in situations right now where they feel like I'm at rock bottom or I don't have a way out. There are so many things that you can do. People like Jim Stogel, someone who was blind and went on to be the founder of a television network. Like what problem are you faced with right now? 
what are you going to do about it? Where do you want to go? And what people are going to help you get there? There's a lot of things that you can do and a lot of clues in Thinking Grow Rich for Legacy and, and that I share in everything that I do to help people really elevate above their circumstances rather than thinking this is it for me at the age of you know however old they were when they when they had that adversity and you also don't need to be you don't need to be hit by a truck or to be blind or to be a triple amputee to to be able to rise above there are plenty of people who just lack a bit of motivation or they don't have a great family or they don't have a great network of friends it's important for you to to realize and recognize that you do have a better life if you can you know, be aware of what's possible for you and then come up with the right plan and follow the right blueprint to get there. Yeah, absolutely love that. And you know, in the, in the book, there's really so many incredible stories of, about all of this really resilience and coming back from adversity, right? And I think that's an important point they mentioned here is that like most people listening to this, they're never going to struggle with anything even remotely close to that, right? And what they're simply lacking is like that little kick in a butt, right? That says, hey, get off the couch and go running, Right. And that's, I think, yeah, I th- it's I so think true. It, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of people, they might think, oh, it's all right for them. If I'd had a, if I'd had a situation that this person was in, then that would, then I would be able to prove how badly you want it. It's just simply not the case. Right. You've got to deal, you've got to play the hand that you've been dealt and do it right now. Yes. And I think stories like this really show us that there's no excuses, right? Like there's simply no excuse to not following your dreams because someone with worse circumstances than you has probably already achieved whatever it is that you want to achieve. Like literally people doing Spartan races with one arm, like, and if you have two legs and two arms, <laughs> but you no can't excuse. run a 5k, like there's just no excuse whatsoever. That's, That's right. I told, my, I told my wife about a year ago that any time that I complain about anything, about how hard life is or how hard business is or how hard being a dad or a husband is, <laughs> just say to me, step aside or step up. That's it. It's all I want to hear. Just step aside or step up because opportunities are not missed. They're just passed on to someone else. So when you're faced with that adversity, either step up or step aside for someone who's better than you to be able to do it or stronger than you or someone who wants it more. And when I say stronger, I mean stronger mentally. They have that resilience and that um, desire more than you. Yeah. And what's beautiful about it is like at any moment in our lives, we can learn to develop that resilience, right? That mental strength, that desire for, for more in our lives. Totally learnable. All these different things, totally learnable because these are the principles that go right back to Napoleon Hill who interviewed more than 500 people for Think and Grow Rich, the most successful people who ever lived. Success does not discriminate. It comes to all those who do what needs to be done. It worked for everyone in the original Think and Grow Rich. It's worked for everyone in Think and Grow Rich, a legacy, and it will work for you too. No one is born with a gold medal around their neck. We see people who are born into poverty who massively rise above it. We see people who are born into wealth and the royal family who massively struggle with, with life and, and happiness. So it really matters with what, how you play the hand that you're dealt. Yes, absolutely. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into your own story now because, you know, as I said before, you literally wrote and produced the sequel to Think and Grow Rich. So how does one go from, you know, incredibly successful financial planner to then, you know, producing that movie that has literally to a book inspired hundreds of millions of people? I wish I knew. No, it was, uh, <laughs> so I, I grew up in Australia and then when I, I moved over to America because I, was, uh, I went over here to study a master's degree in business, an, M- an MBA. And it was after that I was figuring out, well, what do I want to do with my life? 
And I was working for a marketing agency in LA and I thought to myself, I remember vividly, I was driving home. I was very frustrated with the management of the company and I thought they were making just rookie amateur decisions. And I thought to myself, why am I spending all my time making someone else's dreams come true rather than pursuing my own? And sure enough, so I had the faith that something better awaited, but I had no idea what it was. And then I had an opportunity to meet the filmmakers who were, who, you know, were literally making a movie for the very first time about the best-selling self-help book of all time. And I basically pitched them a concept. I said, well, you're obviously going to have a book come out with it. And they were very, very vague on the details. And I told them there are 13 principles of thinking grow rich. People these days don't identify as much with Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford and Thomas Edison. So why don't you basically tell the stories because stories are more engaging and they're more memorable. Tell the stories of two dozen modern day entrepreneurs and athletes and business leaders who personify those principles and, and go and do that. And they sort of paused and said, wow, that's incredible. Can you do it? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I can do it. I'll, I'll knock it out of the park. Cause I was very confident that I could do a good wow. job. Yeah. So I came on board as co-executive producer of the film thinking grow rich, the legacy and author of the book thinking grow rich, the legacy and Bob Proctor has written the, the forward for the book, which was fantastic. And it was at that point when I went, Oh my God, I've I'm here now tasked with writing a modern version of the best selling self-help book of all time. I thought, wow, what do I, you know, what's what do you say then? Like, yeah, it's like, what's <laughs> put the pressure my, on? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what have I done? And then I realized that too much pressure. I, I, I always put a lot of pressure on myself, but I think it's important not to overthink things. So that was it. I knew that I had a lot of pressure and it was a really, really important task. But if I did this well, the rest of my life would massively open up. And that's what happened. Everyone was very, very happy with the book and my contributions to the film. And as a result of that, I just went, wow, it was, it was really nice not overthinking that situation. Whereas most other, well, not most other people, I don't mean to um, compare myself to others because I'm sure a lot of other people would have done a, a fantastic job in that situation. But when you are granted a, uh, a bit like the Eminem lose yourself song, you, when you get that one shot, you need to make sure you don't, you know, it's, it's nice to put pressure on yourself. So you do a good job, but you don't want to overthink it because overthinking it leads to inaction. So I like being a perfectionist, but not to the point of inaction. And that's really what has, has led to the, you know, the project that, that came out. And in May, 2020, and in December, 2020, I've got the next two books that are coming out with the Napoleon Hill foundation. That are, oh, no you know, way. Yeah, they're going to be huge. They'll be in every Costco and Walmart and Barnes and Noble. And yes, can you share already what they're about? Yeah, so the very first one's called Mental Dynamite. It's it's actually the original interview between Napoleon Hill and Andrew Carnegie. So I've gone in there. They've asked me to go and modernize and annotate. So I'm, I'm really providing supporting resources and content around how the principles and the lessons that they talk about, how they are used in a modern context. So individuals and companies and all sorts of things. So we got, you know, people who climb Mount Everest, people who win gold medals, Navy SEALs. We've got a whole heap of amazing things in there, leading companies who are not just great uh, performers on the stock market. They're also very, very uh, good at treating their staff well and, and a whole heap of different things like that. So that's the, that's the first one that's coming out. And the second one, uh, I'm not able to talk on it as yet, but I'll have more information coming very soon. Definitely sounds, sounds super, super exciting. In fact, in the film, there, there was this one scene that really, like, really touched me. And it was Thomas Edison as a young child. And 
he was just expelled from school and got this letter for his mom. Could you maybe share that story and, and why the belief in ourselves is so powerful? So Thomas Edison came home from school when he was a kid and handed the letter to his mom to open the envelope with the wax seal and read it. And it says that your son is adult. It would be better if you educated him at home or elsewhere. And Thomas Edison's mom didn't read that letter to him. She said, your son is a genius. She wrote it as if Thomas Edison's school principal had said that Thomas Edison was so gifted and so bright and such a genius that he was way too good for his peers at the school and it would simply be doing him a disservice by being held back in that environment. And it was only later in life when Thomas Edison realized what the letter said. It said that he was addled and wasn't a great fit because he wasn't as good enough of those other students. Because if he had have heard that at that impressionable age, and I feel like all of us, uh, we can be at an impressionable age, regardless of what age we're at, depending on the mindset that we're in. But if Thomas Edison had have believed at that age that he was an idiot or that he was stupid, then he wouldn't have achieved all the amazing things that he'd done. But he believed that he was gifted. And that's something that we can all train ourselves to do, to give ourselves the confidence to, to really dream big and go after whatever we want, no matter how meager or how dire our circumstances appear in the present. Absolutely love that. So what does that process look like then? Does it work through affirmations or how do people, you know, once they understand, like I have beliefs that are holding him back of I'm not good enough, not beautiful enough, not smart enough, not, you know, I don't have the enough resources, whatever it is. How does someone go from that to then changing those beliefs? Well, inevitably there are many, many, that's a, it's a very, very long answer to that question. But the 13 principles of Think and Grow Rich, the legacy is a good start. But inevitably, all the people that I talk to who either aren't happy right now or they feel like they're treading water, not living with purpose and not living with passion, it's because, they're, because of two things. They're not clear on who they are and they're not clear on where they want to go. It amazes me that people don't even take the time to figure out what they want in life. So by the time you get clear on who you are, so that's things like your values and your purpose and what type of people you want in your life and what type of people you want out of your life. <laughs> and you're clear on where you want to go, which follows that model we spoke about earlier in the episode about your perfect destination and backtracking all that. That not only elevates your belief of what's possible for you and helps give you the confidence, but it also gives you the structure and the blueprint. So you know what action items you need to do today. And that's the big difference. People say, hey, I want to be Tim Ferriss or I want to be Gary Vaynerchuk or Elon Musk, but they don't know where to start. But if you backtrack it from your perfect destination, from all those people, right back to 90 days and then what actions you need to do today, it is so much easier. So if you want to be a New York Times bestselling author, well, maybe writing out or creating a blog and focusing on being consistent and having 400 words a week written is a good place for you to start as well as building up things like your... Uh, your mailing list. So these are the types of things that you can that you can do. Basically, you really want to instead of staring at a blank canvas, it's nice to have that blank canvas that you have filled in, and all of a sudden you just need to know what brush strokes you need to make each day that are going to create this amazing masterpiece. And it means you don't you're not each day you're not trying to figure out what revelation you know what huge massive actions am I going to take. It's just simple and consistent action. These are these are basic things. You don't need to be up on stage in front of 50,000 people every single day or, or the day after that, you know, swimming with sharks and, and doing all these, you know, massive, massive things. All you need to be doing is sitting there and figuring out what are the small things that you can do consistently. It's exactly the same, whether it's an exercise goal or a business goal or being a speaker or a writer or whatever you want. 
turn that really big goal, just backtrack it like a family tree into the things that you need to do today and then focus on simple and consistent action. It's not a sexy formula, but it's definitely the most potent. Absolutely loved it. And I love this, this idea of really combining too, right? Of having that big dream, that big vision for your life, which you need to get excited, to get motivated, to get inspired. But at the same time, you need to start small, right? Because what scares people is like when they try to make these huge leaps, right? When they all of a sudden they get so far outside of their comfort zone that then they get stuck, right? And they feel not good enough. But like you say, like the way to overcome that is really going small, going running for like two minutes, right? It's literally what I usually tell people, like start running two minutes a day. Because anybody That's could right. do it, right? Definitely. Like if you, if you wanted to go and start a marathon, I would find someone who's run a marathon before and I would say, well, is there a plan that they can download or that I can get access to? Then I might go to a, you know, a running store and say, well, here's the level of running that I'm at. What pair of shoes would you recommend for me right now that's going to enable me to train in the state that I'm in right now that will carry me right through to doing the marathon? I might have some type of activity tracker um, to help me understand my distances so I can keep going, so I can keep moving forward and, and help me with my times. I might find an accountability partner who can run with me every now and then, or they might even be in a different city where you can just share the things that you're doing. I might go and just buy some new activewear so I feel more comfortable and, and happier and more confident and more inspired in the, in the new clothes that I'm in. And if you go, and uh, another thing that you could do if you were really serious about it would be go and find a dietitian and say, look, here is my goal. I want to make sure I have the right fuel, the right food and, and the right energy. Can you, you know, this might only cost a couple of hundred bucks, but you know, you could go and get an amazing personalized meal plan, which is something that you can then use for the rest of your life. I mean, these are, these are really no brainer things, but people don't take, take the time to think about their mission and what other elements can they incorporate to make it a successful mission. You know, James, you literally just gave people a bulletproof plan for how to run a marathon or how to get in shape and how to overcome those, those really lame excuses that people oftentimes have of like, I don't know what to do, so I'll just not do anything, right? Like literally following that simple plan that you just laid out in the last 30 seconds is going to make anyone on this planet fit and healthy. So sure. It doesn't absolutely. matter what the task is. You just got to figure out what the mission is and then just fill in the dots. It's, it's really like, how long did that take? It's what, 30 seconds yeah. to talk about those different things you can do that right now with insert goal here whatever that whatever that goal might be exactly absolutely love it now on the show we always love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to building our character so throughout your career throughout your life do you have a favorite failure the biggest failure for me that i talk about is the first 23 years of my life i feel like i was a real failure in that sense i feel like i was just constantly moving down and down and down and down and that was, you know, there were some very dark moments in that, in that place as well. It was only uh, making that decision to, to rise out of that. So that, that, was, the, that was the biggest failure um, that I talk about because to me it was by far the most significant. But I've had many other failures in, in pretty much every sense. I've had businesses that have gone well. I've done businesses that were unsuccessful, business partnerships that were great, business partnerships that were horrible i had one of the world's largest crossfit gyms and just a few months after it opened we had a, a flood that ripped through and almost destroyed the business and then it happened again a week later like there's been so many different failures but it's wow. it's again it's how you respond to that adversity when it inevitably inevitably strikes i had a moment in 2013 when i was living in uh living in boston i'd moved over there with a girl who I just, you know, we'd been together for a few years and, and I, I thought that we would, 
you know, I never really thought that far ahead about it, but I was confident that we would have a, you know, a happy future together. And we reached a point where we broke up and I'd finished my MBA and I had no idea what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And there I was single living as far away from, from Brisbane as I could, could be in the world being in, in Boston and, and New York. And it was a horrible time in my life trying to figure out who I was and, and what I wanted to do. So there were all these, and I was overcoming a, an injury. I'd had a, a third degree shoulder separation. Like there's all these different uh, things that happen to us. I know you are. So one failure, and I probably gave you, That's, <laughs> probably gave you <laughs> a few point. too many, but I, no, I but think that, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to reiterate what we'd said previously on this, that it's how you respond to it. That is far more important than the failure that you, that you face. And it's nice to talk about these things because as Brene Brown, a famous researcher on vulnerability says, it's shame is much worse when we keep it inside. We need to make sure we, we are upfront about our vulnerabilities and our failures because that establishes that connection, removes ego and enables other people to uh, be able to come into our life to help change it. Absolutely love that. And also what it allows people to do, I think, is is realize that they're not alone in their insecurities and their uncertainty, right? Because it's so easy to look at people like you that are like me and many other people are just looking up to, right? And be like, they're perfect, right? Like there's the superhumans that can never do anything wrong. They always know where to go. They always know what to do. But the reality is that like everybody's on the same way, like on the same page, like struggling sometimes and uncertain everyone's, and afraid. Everyone's trying to figure it out. After being in the offices and interviewing all these different people, everyone is trying to figure it out. No one's got it. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, it's always evolving things like technology because everyone's trying to figure out, well, how do we build an audience? I mean, Facebook, Instagram, I've never used TikTok. I know that's massive right now. We've got <laughs> the iPhone is, is huge. All these different resources that we have. Video content has become massive in the last few years. These things, the podcasting, these things are constantly evolving. Everyone, everyone on the whole planet is Gary Vaynerchuk's trying to figure it out. Elon Musk is trying to figure out how can he be, you know, come to market with his How can he leave new... Earth finally? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, how can I get the hell out of here? Yeah. It's, uh, so there's, everyone's trying to figure it out. That's why um, people, they try and put too much pressure on themselves. But yeah, everyone is in the same boat trying to figure it out. Totally, yeah. Now... I'm always a fan of memento mori, of this idea of remembering death. So, yeah. you know, the day you're going to die, what do you want written on your tombstone? I just want to, I want people, I don't know the exact words of what I want people to say, but I, first of all, I hope it would say that I was a loving uh, son, father, and husband, and that I did everything I could to help other people. That's pretty much it. I just want to be remembered for, for always just trying to help other people as much as I could. Love that. Now, what do you think is, is the number one thing that really holds people back from thinking and growing rich? What do you see as the biggest obstacle? I think people fail to realize, and this is the, this is the slide that I put up at every single speech that I do. I put this up first. It says, each day, if you do not make the decision to win, you have automatically made the decision to lose. So if you wake up each day and you have got no idea what success looks like for you today in every sense, if you don't know what success looks like to you in your relationship, in your work, in your physical, your mental health, then you have automatically lost. And once you are aware of that, it helps you uh, make so much more use of the day. And that all goes back to the win the day and the day one and all the other branding that I do around making the most of each day. Yeah, if we could dive in there real quickly. So you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you write down three things you're grateful for. You write down the big three wins for the day. What else do you do on a daily basis to really set yourself up to win? 
So uh, the very first thing that is, I, I use the five minute journal. So it's, it's, I'll admit my life has been a little more chaotic in the mornings with a nine month old kid. Oh, I bet. Uh, but, yeah. But it's an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but yeah, it's funny going to sleep and not knowing what, uh, what state you're going to be in when you wake up because you might've been up three or four times. <laughs> obviously you can feel a little bit flatter, but I use a thing called the five minute journal and you write down because people, people know the power of gratitude. There was a study that came out from UC Berkeley recently that spoke about the importance of, of gratitude. It makes people happier and less depressed. We know it's so powerful, but telling people to go into a gratitude practice, it's very, very difficult. But giving people structure, and that's why I like the five-minute journal, because you write down three things that you're grateful for and three things that would make today a win, and then you write down a positive affirmation. So it gives you the lines. It's literally a hard copy thing that you use to, to write that. And then at the end of the day, you write down three amazing things that happened that day and what you could have done to improve the day. And that's been huge for me because those three things that you write down that you need to do today, they nag away at your brain until you complete them. So that's really, really important. If I, if I can do my five-minute journal, I don't do it every day. I do it most days. And I often post about it in my Instagram stories too because I want people to know that I'm walking the walk. I'm not just talking the talk. When you do that, inevitably my day is, is often twice as good and, and certainly twice as productive, but also being, being, having a fairly robust system for knowing what work I need to do. So I've got a, a good method here with, with calendars and, and notifications so I know what work, needs to do, what, what, what work I need to do and also having a bit of, a bit of balance. So uh, making sure I've got certain times allocated when I need to go and exercise or, or having time alone where maybe it's my wife and I where we'll just cook a nice meal for dinner and I, I even believe it or not I even have a calendar note that goes off I'm not even sure how often it comes up it might be once a month but it says do something nice for Jen which is my wife's name oh, so I love I know that. That when, that, yeah, when that comes up it's like all right cool rather than thinking about well I wonder what we should do for dinner tonight I say you know what when my wife gets home from work there's going to be an epic meal on the on the table and, and everything is you know nice and good to go. So I think it's nice to have that structure and that framework. Otherwise, months and months, it's, it's like when you wake up one day or you connect with someone and you realize, hey, we haven't spoken in like yeah. two years and, and why did we let it take so long? It's because you had no system of keeping in touch. So creating those systems on all those different things, it's all a huge component of winning the day. Yes, totally agree. Because the reality is like, like we get so overwhelmed with so many stuff coming in all the time, right? That like it's easy to forget about like things, right? If you're not like constantly focusing in every day, right? So what's much easier, like you say, is just create the systems, create the alarms, literally put it in your calendar is really the easiest way I've also found to make sure you work out every day, you study every day, you do whatever it is because it's on there and you have a time Definitely. allotted to it. Yeah, if you don't make the decision to win, you've automatically made the decision to lose. And people in high school, they think, well, I've got no time to be able to do this other stuff. And then you get to university and you think, well, now I've got even less time. <laughs> and then you start a job in the corporate world and you think, well, now I've got, you know, no time at all. And then you get married and then you have a kid and it's yeah, like and you keep <laughs> less and less and less time. So figure it out no matter where you're at right now and you'll get it done. Stop telling yourself these excuses in your head. Absolutely. Now, James, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? So what's your favorite social media platforms, website, whatever it is? Probably Instagram right now. You can go to James Witt, J-A-M-E-S-W-H-I-T-T, uh, and connect with me there. And you can also, there's a link to go and download a free success plan template in the link on my bio on Instagram. 
Uh, we've also got the Win the Day Facebook group. So you can go and um, look for me on Facebook or you can just, again, click on that link in the bio on Instagram and that has a link to the Win the Day group on Facebook. And if anything I can do to help people, just reach out. Fantastic. Going to put that in the show notes. Now, my final question is, what is your quest for greatness? So what is that big vision that you're trying to create with your life? I want to help 1 billion people on the planet to take ownership of their financial, physical, and mental health. So uh, we're only a few years into that journey, but I'm very, very excited for that because it's really only been uh, when I was involved in Thinking Grow Roots to Legacy. That was the, the first moment in my life where I felt like the clouds parted and I thought, well, here is what I need to do with the rest of my life. So I'm just, a, just two or three years into that journey, but that is the journey that I will continue to do for the rest of my life. James Whitaker, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life, to really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, a friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.